Hello. Do we keep hope alive? If you haven't heard of the ministry of John Reddick, J-O-N Reddick, um, comes out of Church of the City out of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, my son-in-law and daughter-in-law gave me, uh, daughter-in-law, my son-in-law and daughter gave me uh, that song a while. They played at Dinuba, and I've fallen in love with that song, with the words. I wasn't going to cry, but Sally, I'm going to cry. Jeez. Okay, I don't have a sermon anymore. <laughs> I just want to pray for doggone cancer. That song means so much because Jesus keeps us alive. Alive. I don't know if you're struggling with cancer, if you're struggling with something that's broken down deep inside and you're hurting. It is not a gimmick. It is not false. Jesus is alive and we are alive with him. Okay, I swear I was going to come here and not cry today. Because then I'll, my legacy is going to be one big tear. Okay, so I have a message. I called it Born Again. I, you know, as I, Jenny would tell you this, I have uh, spent a lot of time thinking about this topic and thinking again. Uh, I thought some of the best thing would be is just find a Billy Graham sermon on this and like let it loose, you know? I mean, who better preaches on Born Again? James did just as I am. I've been to many a evangelistic crusade and sang that song. Actually, when I was 18, I walked up in Fresno, California, down the center aisle from the balcony and recommitted my life to Christ um, at a kind of evangelistic time that uh, Billy Graham happened to be at the church in the night, very early 70s. It's an important two words. In, in, the late, in the late 60s and 70s, there was what was called the Jesus Movement. Some of you are young enough to remember it. I had a chance to walk down the street of Hollywood and encountered a 6'5", long-haired, big beard, dude with a Bible as big as, like, his head. Thompson Chain, by the way, it had to be, you know, King James Version, no, you know, phony stuff, I mean. And he looked at me, and I mean, I'd met him, met him and he looked at me and he says, are you saved? Are you born again? I felt like now that I'm going through the passage that you guys are going through and uh, John, I feel a little bit like, oh, wow, I'm getting a Nicodemus moment here. It was a one, it was a fun ride to be hanging out with Jesus freaks and trying to figure out how to get born again. 
Because you know, the truth is we all need Jesus. I truly believe that. There's a story of a young girl, Jewish girl, who was from Israel and had come to the States. And it's a story about how she found Jesus, how she got saved. She shares that it was through prayer and witness of her Jewish Christian friends and family. She shares that she finally realized that Jesus was really the Messiah that the Jews had been looking for, and she put her heart and trust in Jesus. She then also shared that, by the way, if you ever are praying for someone to come and get saved, to know Jesus, don't quit. Because she knew of one man who had been praying for her for over two years before she found the Lord Jesus. And she was then talking about and uh, was going to her and her fiance go back to Israel and to start a Christian ministry and a, and a movement there to try to bring the hope of Christ um, to the people of Jerusalem, to Israel. They asked her, are you a bit nervous? Because it was during a particular time when bombs were happening regularly and it was not feeling as a safe place. She responded to the question, are, are you okay? Are you nervous? She says, the safest place that I can ever be is right smack in the center of the will of God. Church, we need Jesus. I truly believe everyone needs him. So I'm going to give us a kind of a, just a simple way to take a look at um, these eight verses of John 3, 1 through 8, where we're going to look into the life of what it looks like when Jesus responds to the question, how does one get born again? Chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, and I don't know what translation is going to show up there, but I'll read. Are you, do you have? Let's throw it up. Throw, give me verses, verses 1 and 2. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. We'll stop there. Nicodemus had heard about Jesus. He'd heard about these amazing stories and things that were happening all around the people, miracles. And Nicodemus knew there was something different, something special about this guy, Jesus. So, he has some big questions and some concerns and all, and he decides that he's going to go and meet and get to Jesus and try to talk and listen and hear what he has to say. Nicodemus said, as I read there, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who comes from God, for no one can do these signs you do unless God is with them. Let me tell you that Nicodemus, this religious Pharisee, pretty important person, decides that he's going to go and talk to this radical teacher and try to get some truth from him about what's happening around him. Not a bad thing to do 
when maybe you have big questions or you have things that are happening that maybe you too ought to think about going to Jesus and asking and listening as you read his word to come to understand what he would respond to you with your questions. We all need Jesus. Romans 3.23 tells us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us are broken and sinners without the power of Jesus in our life as Lord and Savior. And ultimately, the truth is, without him, we will eventually, if never to commit, the word tells us that we will be separated from God forever. We all need Jesus. Think about it. People with lots of resource need Jesus. Nicodemus was a wealthy man. In fact, John 19, 39 tells us that after Jesus died, Nicodemus provided 100 pounds of mixture of myrrh and perfume for Jesus' burial. That was a lot during that time. Nicodemus had a lot of resource. But the truth is, Money can buy lots of things, but it cannot buy you, ultimately, your life and your, your, your state in terms of eternity. You can't buy one salvation. Important people, but people with positions, ranking, high-ranking people, need Jesus. As I said, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a part of the Sanhedrin the 70 members of what is the Supreme Court of the Jews. He was a part of the religious elite. But one position that one has is not going to get you your salvation, your eternity. Respectable people need Jesus. I don't know if you know that Nicodemus means the victory of the people his name. He was well-respected. He was actually a good leader, and people respected him, and, and they liked him. But in all of that, his position, his respectability was not enough. He still needed Jesus. Religious people, people, uh, you know, like Nicodemus, he had great knowledge, um, in fact, his first words to Jesus is, we know. In other words, we get it. We understand it. We know the law. We teach the law. We live by the law as best and as often and as good as we can. We, we fast. We pray. We go to the synagogue. We tithe. We do all of the, the important things. We keep the religious, you know, thing going. We're good. In all of that, the truth is, the religious folks keeping order in such a way without relationship with the eternal God need Jesus. All will be lost without him. Second, we need Jesus because Jesus loves us. I think we begin to see Jesus' um, way in which he loves here in verse 2. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher we're going to go through six, so let's throw it up here. 
He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Let's keep going. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit's birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised that by saying you must be born again. And let's stop there. Nicodemus, as I said, did something important. He went to find out answers to some of his questions, to talk with the one who was doing some incredible things. He began to try to discover how can he make his life better and understand what his life should be more about. And from it, Jesus meets Nicodemus, and in it, he begins to talk to him about eternal things, eternal life. Why does he do that? Because first and foremost, Jesus is loving Nicodemus. He loves him. Now, how are some ways in which we can see how Jesus loves? Well, I think, first of all, we can see that Jesus loves in such a way that his love is for all. It's the same. It's not better for one and one for the other. It's all equal. He loves us. He cares for us. He cared for them. Whether you are poor or rich, smart or average, whether you are the best or the least in life, etc., you can go down it and try to figure it out. Each and every one of us, all that have ever been birthed into this world and or will come, are loved equally by Jesus. That's the same. Another way that we see Jesus' love is that Jesus, and we can see it in his, in his way in which he talks with Nicodemus, he keeps first things first. Verse 3, Jesus gets right to the point, and he says, Most certainly, I say to you, really, this is it. Unless one is born again, they will not see the kingdom of God. In other words, Nick, you've got to be born again. Born again, what does it look like? What does that mean? Well, before we get there, the reason why I think that it's, it's, Jesus is saying it's so important is because it's going to get Nicodemus to move from what he thought life was about, the physical part of life, you know, where we are born, you know, horses produce horses, dogs produce dogs, mortal people produce mortal people. In other words, Jesus or is, be, is saying to Nicodemus, that which is born, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, people who have been given the second birth by God's Holy Spirit have eternal life, or what is called a spirit-filled life. The Holy Spirit of God produces a new kind of person by a new kind of birth. It is the spiritual birth that gives us God's eternal life. 
So when we are born again, what happens is we get a brand new nature, or in other words, we get a brand new spiritual heart. Paul said it in the church in Corinth, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus wants us to understand there's nothing more important in life than to be able to say, I'm born again. You know, Nicodemus probably had other stuff, and they could have talked about a lot of stuff, and Jesus could have spent a lot of time talking about some things, etc. But he really got right to it, first things first. And he got straight to what was, he knew, Nicodemus's greatest question and need. And he did that because he loves, and he loved Nicodemus that much. There's an important part that Nicodemus is really going, trying to help Nicodemus, Jesus trying to help Nicodemus understand, and it's that it's all about what life and death are all about and the power of what comes through death to have life, the power of him and the cross. He, Jesus teaches him. There was a story about a missionary who went um, back, way back in the 1800s, Joseph Damon, who ministered the people with leprosy on the island of Molokai in Hawaii. Those pe suffering people grew to love Joseph and respected his sacrificial life that he lived for them. Now, Joseph, on a regular daily basis, would lead the worship experience and service with the people there. And at the point, in one point in it, he gets out some very hot scolding water and pours it into a cup. But as he does, it spills off and it doesn't all go in the cup and the very hot scolding water hits his bare feet. And for a moment, he realizes that he is not experiencing the pain that should normally come from that kind of accident. And just struck with the fear of what that could mean for him, he takes the cup of hot, scolding water and pours it again on his bare feet where he had done it by accident first and realized again there was no pain. And it was there that he instantly knew what had happened, that he had too become infected with this horrible disease of leprosy. When Joseph then continues in the midst of that and begins to preach at um, the, the worship experience, at the first, no one notices the change in which how he addresses the congregation that was with him, where normally he would start off by saying, my fellow believers. But at this point, because of what he just now understood, he starts off and says, my fellow lepers for he too had become a part of their brokenness. And it was a result of spilled hot water on feet. You see, Joseph's sacrifice points them and us all to the sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross. Because when Jesus came into our world, Jesus knew what it would cost him, but he did it anyway. Jesus was willing to pay the highest price that one could pay by giving one's life, and he did it by going to the cross to dine for us, for all. 
because of his great love that he had. Because Jesus loves us. We all need Jesus because we're lost without him, because Jesus loves us, and lastly, because Jesus gives us everlasting life. Jesus Christ can give us eternal life. Eternal life is a promise that the Bible tells us about. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. There's a place of God's love and his providence that he has for all who know and love him. You might remember in Acts chapter 16, the story of Paul and Silas as they're out evangelizing and ministering there um, in the city. Uh, they get arrested, they get taken in, they get beaten, and then they get tossed into a jail, a prison, behind locked bars. But as a result of all of that, they, they de decide they're going to still acknowledge that they have a Savior that they love and that loves them, and they just begin to sing and just, you know, praise God, their Lord, that they knew through Christ. Well, at midnight, we know that God brings an earthquake to that region, and the, shell, and the prison shakes in such a way where the doors are flung open, the chains are broken up or released from these prisoners, all of them, and then the prisoners all take off and they get out. They're free. And they encounter the jailer staying there, shaken and afraid. And in their conversation, they let him know about the power there is in knowing the one in which can free him as a, as a, as a, in his life and bring him hope and life. And that man becomes a believer and a follower of Jesus and knows that he too will someday have eternity with Jesus. Church, Jesus gives us all this same promise of eternity. Remember, in, in, uh, Jesus again says, how do we get it? That we become born again, born of the, of the water, born of the Spirit. And we know that this is really, again, as Nicodemus is just bluntly saying it, I'm old. Somebody old can't go back into mom's tomb, mom's tomb, or womb, tomb, a womb, and go back in and uh, kind of start over again. It, it just doesn't happen that way. So what are you talking about? And he's talking about the things of born of the Spirit, born of water. You know, when we get baptized, whether you're an infant or whether you do it in an adult um, way in which you want to testify or as if you were a kid or whatever it is, when you get baptized, you are doing something in such a way where you are signifying and allowing the power of Jesus the Christ to come upon in his, his life, his spirit, his, his body, blood, and flesh will be upon you in such a way where it will cleanse you and give you freedom and bring forgiveness and renewal and refresh you in such a way where you are really born again. Same thing with the Spirit. 
to be spirit-filled, to be born of the spirit, not of what's important, not what we think is all that when it comes to who we are. It's all of what's up there that we quite don't understand. It's a mystery. In fact, Jesus says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Being a religious person as Nicodemus was, knowing the law, knowing a lot about religiousness, he still was missing the important element of letting God connect him spiritually in such a way where he would no longer feel alone, to be worried again about his life, because when you receive Jesus at the Spirit, is birthed within you. As Jesus himself said, I will be leaving you, but the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit will be with you and will help keep you on track and moving forward to the purposes God has for you. I don't know if you've ever been to any place in your life where you have come up with it and you've come to a crossroads And maybe you've thought that you've understood this thing about who God is and who Jesus is, but maybe there's still a part inside that's still wrestling with the fact, do I really understand I have a need for a Savior, for someone to bring and to come along and to come into my existence and to breathe again His Spirit, His love in such a way where it gives me the sense of knowledge that I know I am loved and that I have an eternity of hope that I will never die. I don't know if you've ever come to that. You've given your life in that way. If you haven't, then I don't want you to miss the opportunity to say, I want a relationship with the living Jesus the Christ. And I want that today. I want to recommit myself. Maybe you've found yourself off and, and, and not, not in tune, not in touch, and you've kind of allowed yourself to not pursue the things of God of what's above and allowing the Spirit to really live in you. I encourage you today to make a recommitment because it is from the Christ that I know, the Christ that I know is preached and that we worship here is the one who wants to have a personal connection and relationship of love and peace and hope with you. Let's pray. God, I pray this morning that even at the end of this time, that here in this church, in this place, that as we have sung and as we've prayed and as we've listened etc., to the things that you would want for us this day, I would pray that right now that you would, again, reveal yourself in such a way where your spirit would move within each and every one of us. For you know what our needs are. And you know whether or not, just as Nicodemus needed to truly give his life fully over and commit himself to you, to let your spirit live within him. You know who we are and who may be like that in this room. 
We also know that there may be some here today that have maybe wandered or found themselves just disconnected from you and that you are desiring a relationship with them again and desiring to have a rebirth again in them. And certainly, Lord, we know that in the midst of our lives today, we are human, frail, and ultimately know that our flesh is going to give out at some point and that we may be right now in need of, of, of healing or of, of a way to again be reminded that you are the Lord of all and that no matter what we have here in our lives, what we face, that you will help us be reminded that we will not face it alone and that you have a greater hope and place for us with you. In any account, Lord, I pray that today we would commit ourselves fully to your love and to your work. In Jesus' name, amen.